Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast, a conversation with MedTech leaders who have succeeded or plan to succeed in Latin America. Please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora, or Deezer. Welcome to the Latin MedTech Leaders Podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Alejandro Badia. Dr. Badia, how are you doing today? Terrific. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks. Very excited about our episode today. And listeners, Dr. Badia is an internationally respected hand and upper extremity surgeon and the CEO of Badia Hand to Shoulder Center in Doral, Florida. Dr. Badia graduated from Cornell University and completed his medical degree at NYU. He served as the worldwide president of the International Society for Sports Traumatology of the Hand, ISS Sport co-founded the globally recognized Miami Anatomical Research and Training Center, MARC, which is the largest private cadaver lab focusing on education, research, and patent development. And he also co-founded the Surgery Center at Doral, an elite state-of-the-art ambulatory surgery center. I'm sure I didn't mention other accomplishments you have, Dr. Badia, but I'm very thrilled to have you here today on our podcast, and I look forward to our conversation. Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. Uh, yeah, at some point we might have an opportunity to talk about ortho now, which is probably my biggest challenge in terms of things that I, I started. So so hopefully we'll have a little bit of time for that. Excellent. Excellent. All right, Dr. Badia, could you please tell uh, listeners about your journey to Latin America? How do you get acquainted with the region on a personal or professional level? Sure. So, so I was born in, in Cuba and emigrated uh, through Madrid, where my dad's family is in Valencia. And I grew up in New Jersey, which was, uh, you know, a fairly vibrant Latino population as well. And when I did all of my training in the Northeast, I really felt that I wanted to use my Spanish skills and, and cultural uh, advantages in a city such as Miami. And so I came here 25 years ago and very quickly realized that Miami was really kind of one of the capitals of Latin America. And I saw this as an advantage in terms of uh, colleagues being able to share ideas with uh, other orthopedic surgeons and uh, even in training and then also with patients. So we you know, gradually become a real referral center for patients from Latin America who maybe want to get an opinion in the U.S. or maybe even a, a procedure, but realize that they don't necessarily need to go to, you know, a Mayo Clinic or a big hospital in New York and they could come to an, a personalized outpatient center very near the airport with somebody and the staff that all speak their language and understand their culture. So that has been an exciting journey for me and something that's grown significantly during the past decade. Excellent, Dr. Padilla. So moving along here, one of the questions that I usually ask my guest, um, Alejandro, is what trends do you see happening in Latin America that are that represent an opportunity for medical device companies to do business in the region. I mean, uh, let's talk about the economic, epidemiological, political, or social trends that you see happening in Latin America now. Sure. Well, as we all know, um, there's often seismic uh, changes in government which affect the business community. But we all know that healthcare is necessary. So I think that most companies who want to do business there probably have to work with the government uh, to some degree because there are... Uh, uh, hospitals and healthcare systems that are largely run by the government, but there is a very vibrant uh, private sector in most of the countries. I think 
the bigger challenges are regulatory, and I see that as improving. My understanding is even in, in Brazil, you're working now with a sort of Avamed kind of um, network to be able to allow and foster innovation. And I think that American companies need to have their, their foot in the door early on because I think there's a, a huge uh, benefit, certainly geographic. I mean, it's, it's nearby. And in many of these countries, there are folks who have family or, or come here frequently. So that whereas unlike maybe other markets where you don't see as much of that in Doral, I mean, 80% of the people here are, have family in Latin America, and, you know, in this case of uh, Venezuela, Colombia, Brazil, and that's a real advantage. So I think companies that recognize that have a, a lot to gain. Excellent. So Alejandro, I'm not sure if you are in close contact with the industry um, because uh, the next question is about how do you see companies doing first in human clinical trials in Latin America or commercializing their innovations? I mean, do you have examples of companies in the industry that you're dealing with or you have dealt in the past that are doing trials or have done trials or are planning to do trials or are planning to commercialize their innovations in Latin America? Well, I know a lot are, are being done in Colombia specifically because the infrastructure, you know, some countries I think are, are better set up for that. I don't have a lot of uh, personal knowledge of sort of the trials because I'm dealing simply with the, the orthopedic implants and my experience is a lot of those are started in Europe or even somewhere in Asia. But I believe that, uh, again, because of the geography, that there is a big opportunity uh, to do this in Latin America. I have, for example, tomorrow I have a, a big arthroscopy companies coming to visit our center because they're looking at a particular technology that I'll be using in the operating room. So I think besides the actual trials, they can be networking with us clinicians here and be able to actually see some of the products being used, you know, because it's already, these products are already approved in the U.S., but we're able to help. Uh, the clinicians, I think, are able to help stimulate the utilization of this by our colleagues that we're constantly in touch. I mean, not a day goes by where I'm not getting a WhatsApp group from Brazil, for example. We have a big conference upcoming in August. And uh, just yesterday, my colleague from uh, Argentina was asking me for some videos of procedures. Uh, because they're going to be doing a, almost like a, a video book. So this is something that's just expanding very rapidly. I guess the industry sees you or uh, physicians uh, like you as a bridge to the region. So you are able to connect industry with key opinion leaders in each country in Latin America. And that's a great position to be in, right? <laughs> it is. And, and, you know, they come here and they see these uh, products being used and then they want to bring, you know, bring them back to their home country. And I think it starts with either the patient demand or the clinician demand. And uh, again, the fact that we have this, you know, puente, this bridge here is very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So this is a general question. Um, you travel extensively all over Latin America, from what I understand. I've seen your pictures and videos in different congresses, events in the region. What do you think about Latin America as a place to do business in general? Is it fun? Is it boring? <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's definitely fun. I, I think you have to understand the culture. Latinos, we, uh, we're often very family-oriented. We like to mix business and pleasure, and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, at all. Uh, you know, life is short and <laughs> you need to enjoy it. So I think it's fine. I think it's important for companies to understand that you go there, people want to know you as a person before they do business with you. They're not going to just look at the numbers. 
And one thing that people need to understand, if they're not, not familiar with Latin America, is even though most of us speak Spanish, right, except for really uh, Brazil, that the, each culture is very different. Even the Spanish language can be markedly different in terms of the vocabulary and the slang. And so I think it's important for companies to, to realize that and to know each culture. And I've always been really impressed with friends I have. Uh, I have a friend who works with Arthrex and, you know, he lived in Brazil for a while and he speaks Portuguese, he speaks Spanish, he understands the nuances culturally of different countries. Uh, and that's an amazing thing. And I think there's just huge, huge growth potential there. Excellent. I'm very glad that you think that way. So, Alejandro, let's um, move along in terms of needs that you see in Latin America. What pressing needs do you see uh, in the region in terms of devices, uh, newer technologies, talent? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing is you need really affordable uh, implants. I mean, uh, you know, some of the economies are really moving along, but there's no question that, you know, most of the countries are, don't have, uh, you know, it's not Japan, it's not Germany, it's not the U.S., But there is a lot of potential there. So I think it's important that companies price their products uh, accordingly. And I see a lot of potential in internal fixation. Uh, a lot of companies have started looking in terms of you know plates and screws. And I think there's a huge growth for an area I'm interested in in terms of arthroscopy, small joint arthroscopy, right? I think that most of my Latin colleagues are very on par with uh, knee arthroscopy, for example. But an area that, that I'm passionate about with the wrist For example, that's that conference I'm going to in Brazil in August. That's going to be a big theme. But most uh, hospitals don't have access to these, say, smaller arthroscopes and smaller devices. So I think that that is a possibility there that needs to be needs to be recognized and the market needs to be serviced because there definitely are clinicians there who are either skilled or very quickly will be skilled, but they need to have a product. And uh, the other thing is that we have to be ready for a growth in outpatient surgery centers. It's starting, you know, in Brazil, uh, they have some in, in Argentina and, and in Colombia. And I think we're going to see more of that. That has to also be priced accordingly. But I think there's huge potential as we start realizing with this pandemic that things can move away from the hospital. You know, not everything has to be done in a big hospital, which can be expensive, can be inefficient, can be often impersonal. Uh, smaller centers, I think, we're going to see in the future. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well said. So, Alejandro, what's your take on the Mexican market? What do you think about the talent available in Mexico? What do you think about the sector, the medical device sector, etc.? Well, certainly there's some challenges with Mexico with what's happening right now on the border. And I think that the current government may lead to some challenges. Certainly, it's important, again, in this particular case to work with the public sector because right now it's going to be uh, perhaps dominated. But because of that, there also is opportunity privately because there are going to be, there, I mean, there is a, a huge affluent population in Mexico and they're going to be seeking to get that care delivered. I know of a number of sort of standalone hospitals started by entrepreneurial uh, surgeons. And, uh, you know, we all know the, the big hospitals in uh, Mexico City, uh, the ABC hospitals, etc., mm -hmm. is that they all have a huge opportunity. Uh, the problem is, is that American companies need to learn more about them and realize that that is a, uh, a market. I mean, Mexico is a really a favored uh, trading partner with the U.S., yes. and geographically, they're right there. So uh, I think we need to really, really pay attention to them. Okay. So what about Colombia? Any 
comments on that? Yeah, you know, I think Colombia, you know, has gone through a rough patch, right? But when, one thing I've noticed when I've gone to lecture in Colombia is it, it's uh, extremely uh, organized compared to maybe some of our neighbors. I find that culturally that Colombians um, can be very, very serious. That can be very good for American businesses because they may have misperceptions about that. So uh, in Colombia, there is a very vibrant orthopedic sector. Now, again, I can't speak about other areas, but even my friends who are in general and vascular surgery have made similar comments. So I, I think uh, Colombia, there is a huge potential. I guess trauma is a big business in Colombia <laughs> with all these motorcycle accidents and the war and everything. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, unfortunately, that's uh, calmed down a bit. I don't know what's in store is, uh, for the next government, but certainly uh, right now, I think that there is huge potential. We have to realize the population is also aging. So degenerative problems, we were seeing that in any sort of more industrialized country and and I think that uh, we're going to see that the aged, the elderly, have to be taken care of. That's a growing sector. That's also a, a big opportunity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right. So moving along, let's talk about Brazil, the biggest market. What do you think about uh, the Brazilian economy and the sector and the talent available in Brazil? The talent, you know, medically, maybe in some areas, maybe second to none in the area. I mean, I witnessed, I was visiting at uh, USP, the University of Sao Paulo, and uh, I was there when uh, they flew in a lady who had, a bit, who had, had both uh, thumbs uh, amputated in an industrial accident. It was quite amazing to watch, you know, two teams, you know, one preparing the thumb on the back table for the, um, the vessels, the quality of the microscope that came in. Certainly, technically, the Brazilian surgeons are really second to none in many cases. So I, I think it's very advanced. Uh, I think the challenge with Brazil is just the uh, bureaucracy is very high. I kind of was hopeful with the current administration that tends to kind of, you know, suppress kind of big government, that that would get better. But there is talk of that improving. So I, it's hard to say, you know, right now there's just a big uh, dilemma right now with the Amazon uh, rainforest. So there's a lot of tension, I think. Uh, but at the same time, you know, all these ecological things sometimes cause countries to work together. And uh, there can be a downstream effect from that in business, certainly in medical business. But it'll be interesting what happens in the next few years in Brazil, because I just think there's huge potential. And I don't think um, a lot of um, Americans realize how many people live in. I mean, it's just a huge country. And it's a leader in several uh, sectors, including uh, aviation. A lot of people don't know that. So I think the problem sometimes with Brazil is, you know, same thing you might see in China is sometimes there are some knockoff companies. So I think that companies need to be wary of that. You know, hopefully the regulatory environment will rein that in. But there's huge potential. And, and Brazilians, are, from my experience, really love American product. They are very pro-U.S. as opposed to some other countries. So I, I think that's a real positive. Would you agree that the opportunity in Brazil is probably with higher-end products? Because they have a very mature, you know, lower-end, mid-range medical device manufacturing economy or sector. They even export to many countries around the world their medical devices, products. Yeah, there are um, a number of areas still where the physicians are sort of trained, but they don't necessarily have access to the product. And um, again, a lot of that might be that the companies realize that it's kind of tough to get your product in to that country. And I'm really hoping that changes. And, and you know, maybe this discussion will be a catalyst to have uh, talk with some of the, the government leaders, because I think we all stand to benefit if we can cut down some of those barriers. 
Yeah, it's really about the patient, Alejandro. I mean, patients have delayed access to medical innovation. I mean, by the time a product gets approved uh, by the FDA or EMA in Europe, it will probably take 10 years, <laughs> if not more, before it gets available. <laughs> well, but you know what? The pandemic is, has a lot of silver linings, I believe. And uh, certainly that's another one. We saw how quickly the vaccines can cut through some of the the red tape when you really are, are committed to do that. And uh, like you said, it's all about the patient. As long as we can you know, demonstrate that there's no harm, a lot of the other uh, regulatory bureaucratic hurdles are just fluff. And we need to figure out how to cut through that. I think that the current world crisis is showing us that we need to be a little bit more streamlined. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Alejandro, moving along here, throughout the region, <laughs> we're doing a journey. Let's talk about Argentina, one of my favorite countries. What do you think about it? <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at least in the area of hand surgery, Argentina has been a leader for the past 40, 50 years. A lot of people don't realize that. I mean, certainly in other areas of orthopedics, but in what I do, you know, Argentinians are known for being real experts in anatomy. So anything anatomic, they can really teach a, a lot of us. So they are uh, uh, very much academicians. I think the challenge there is the government, just when we thought maybe we would move forward, I think there are huge challenges and the economy is really suffering, which is unfortunate because there's so much potential there. I mean, at the turn of the century, it was a world's breadbasket. You know, most of the soy in the world came from Argentina, so it was very affluent. And I think that they still have that culture. You know, the, We always tease them as being the sort of the Europeans in Latin America, but it's very true. And now I think that People are realizing that what a large country it is and how diversity in different areas. And there is huge potential there. It's another market where traditionally medical education has been very, very high. So if you can get product into their hands, you're really going to have a lot of skilled users. Yeah, I think it's one of the most educated countries in Latin America. So Alejandro, what would you say to the CEO of a medical device company from the U.S. that is just looking at Latin America as a place to do business? What would be your morsels of wisdom to him? Well, I think uh, you'd have to go down there and, and meet the people, the clinicians. You'd want to meet the distributors and understand what the market is like. You have to understand the culture. And then you have to see what the opportunity is. I mean, again, there's a lot of regulatory hurdles, but if you can get through those, I think there is huge potential. And I think it's many times underserved. I would be very enthusiastic. There are some countries that are easier than others. So, for example, you might not want to start in Brazil, even though it's such a big market. But, for example, we didn't mention Chile, which really works under the auspices mostly of the FDA. It's a very educated populace. So there is a huge potential to at least get some traction with that product. And then you can kind of expand to neighboring countries. So uh, I think it's important to recognize that each country is different and you need to, you know, almost do a, a market survey and get to know them. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard about the Pacific Alliance? Yes. Would you agree that it's uh, an opportunity for finally Latin America to get their act together, all these countries to get their act together and work in unison towards a common objective? I mean, I think it will represent a, a paradigm shift in Latin America. Yeah, again, with culture, there is historically, you know, been tension, say, with uh, with Chile and Peru. I mean, if you go down there to understand the culture, you don't want to tell the Chilean that Pisco Sour is Peruvian, but you, you don't want to do vice versa. Uh, but I think it's a lot tongue-in-cheek. I think uh, a lot of these people really get along very well. 
uh, the reality is. I think a lot of times it's a government that creates the uh, tension, but I think the people are wonderful. And I, conferences I've been to where there's been surgeons from different countries, I think there's uh, friendly rivalries, whether it be based on soccer, right? So you have to understand it's called football there. It's, it's huge, uh, bigger than in Europe, really, because Europe, there's other sports, but I think in Latin America, you have to understand the, the football or soccer culture. Uh, but then there are countries that are uh, sleepers. For example, Peru, I mean, the, the government's been fairly stable. So is the economy and huge potential there. Now, that is a country that doesn't have the physician base of, say, of Brazil and Argentina, but there is potential. So there is, I think, real opportunity there and in Ecuador uh, and maybe even Bolivia, where a lot of companies have shied away because they thought that their economy wouldn't be able to sustain their product line, but I don't think that's true. Certainly in Peru, I mean, one of the nicest hospitals I have visited anywhere is La Clinica Delgado in Lima. You know, they have a helipad. I have a picture with my colleague who's one of my old fellows. I trained him about 15 years ago, and I'm very proud. He's a hand surgeon, but he's also the chairman of the orthopedic department. I did a tour at that hospital. The intensive care unit was, to me, second to none. So you know, this is what we're seeing in, in a lot of these countries. Fantastic, Alejandro. All right, we're close to the end of the show. How can get people get in contact with you? <laughs> you know, I see a lot of patients from there, and what I tell them is just write me to my website. It's drbadia.com, D-R-B-A-D-I-A.com. You should also know I wrote a book that has, I think, some bearing on uh, particularly the challenges that we have with the insurance companies, even government, um, and that's called Healthcare from the Trenches. And that book is on Amazon. You can also find it through my website. But I think my website's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, right there on the homepage, it just says, uh, ask Dr. Badia a question, and I answer myself. I have an international patient coordinator who uh, handles the fellows, the visiting fellows, you know, gets them uh, a, their code, a name tag, and sets up a rotation. And we have uh, visitors from, diff from industry as well. So they'll come and spend a day in the OR from different orthopedic uh, companies. And obviously the patients, uh, every week we have patients who fly up from some of the countries. And I think it's a wonderful relationship. Uh, for me, I, I have to make sure that I have colleagues who can follow them up and also therapists. We have to talk about the whole uh, occupational physical therapy world in Latin America. So for my patients, it's important that they have that follow-up care. I'm really very proud to have this relationship. And uh, you know, one thing I want to emphasize is I learn as much from them as they do from me. I think it's great when you, you get different points of view, always growing, always learning. Excellent, Alejandro. Thank you so much for being a guest in our show and look forward to being in touch with you in the future. Thank you. Thanks so much.